ignition sequence start. See, Elijah Wan has David Robinson just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. Yeah! Oh! Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three, and got it! I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. I was told that the Milwaukee Bucks were the best team in the NBA bubble. They're the favorite to win the championship. But something ain't adding up because the Houston Rockets just beat them 120 to 116. And James Harden didn't even have that great a game. P.J. Tucker missed a billion open threes. Jeff Green missed a billion open threes. But somehow the Rockets still won. Make it make it make sense. I don't understand. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. I am one of your hosts, Dex Hinton, and you can find me on Twitter at Dex Hinton. And I'm your second host, Akib Ghazi, and you can find me on Twitter at Akib underscore Rockets. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. So tonight we're going to talk about the Rockets' two very impressive clutch wins to open up the seeding games of the NBA restart. We got a win over the Mavericks on Friday night in our first game. And then today, Sunday, we beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who are allegedly the best team in the NBA. Um, but, yeah, that's what we're going to get into in a second. Kib, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm all right, man. I'm honestly pumped. I'm still hyped. I think the game just ended about an hour ago. And, you know, I'm still pop- pumped about this game. It's, it, was a, it was a fantastic game. Rockets were clutch as hell. You know, they're bringing that Clutch City mentality back to the H. I am riding high right now. Just the anticipation for this game was really high. Obviously, it's a, the Milwaukee Bucks. They got the best record in the NBA. Uh, it's a primetime game. We got Mike Breen and the crew. You know, so there were a few bangs and puts it in um, <laughs> on the call. Um, but, yeah, man. The hype leading up to it was insane. Everybody was hyping up the matchup between Giannis and Harden because they have their little beef. And it was everything that I wanted and more. We got the win. Um, and, yeah, I've been on Twitter just talking all kinds of trash tonight <laughs> because I am just on cloud nine right now. Could not be happier with this team, with the performance. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to get into the Mavs game first just because that happened first. But – yeah, this Bucks, this one feels good. I'm glad we got this one. It feels good, but yeah, let's. We're gonna get into this Rockets Dallas game that just happened uh, two days ago. That was the first game of the NBA restart or the seeding games. And James Harden, he dropped himself a nice 49 piece. Um, he had along with that, he had nine rebounds, eight assists. Three steals, three blocks. He was in the fourth quarter, and in overtime, his defense was impeccable. Um, and, you know, Daniel House was amazing, too. He, he was 6 for 12 from three. He's looking extremely comfortable in that starting role. And, um, Dex, you know, you were a big proponent of having House start. Talk about that. 
I mean, it's we've gotten exactly what I would have hoped for out of Daniel House so far, especially in that mass game. Like you said, six of 12 from three. If we can get that from anybody, then, you know, the Rockets are going to be a really tough out. Uh, and he plays good enough defense. He's not a lockdown defender by any means, but, you know, he's active and, you know, usually communicates pretty well on defense, so he's not getting completely lost out there. Uh, I think if Daniel House can keep putting up numbers like that, then the Rockets are going to be tough for anybody to beat, especially if Eric Gordon comes back, comes off the bench, and looks like him old, like his old self. So I think, you know, Daniel House has just been a great development so far in the seeding games. For sure. And just looking at this score, man, it was 153 to 149. They scored over 300 points combined. Um, I mean, there was not – you could say that there wasn't much defense played out there, but it was kind of a mix of both. We saw Trey Burke go off. He was 8 for 10 from 3, 11 for 16 for the entire game. Um, he had he dropped 31 points on us. He just could not miss one bit. And I thought um, Porzingis was killing us all game. Um, he, he had 16 rebounds, 39 points. Um, he wasn't – he didn't miss – much either and he was he was 50% from the field and um, I mean despite this being a very high scoring game I still thought it was a pretty well um, defended game you know especially in the fourth quarter and then in um, in overtime Um, but you know another big story that came out of this game was you know Russell Westbrook had himself a nice game as well you know somewhat of a near triple double 31 11 and 8 Um, he had six turnovers Um, he was a little bit careless with the ball but um, he played phenomenal defense in that overtime. We saw a lot of clips of him uh, in in the fourth quarter and throughout the game where he was gambling way too much. He wasn't rotating properly, but he was super active in that overtime. And you know, you could definitely you could call that an overtime thriller uh, for sure. Yeah, the Rockets' defense left a lot to be desired, especially in the first half. We gave up 85 points in the first half of the game. Um, But the fourth quarter, we only gave up 20 points. We were able to get a pretty wild finish to send it to overtime. And then in overtime, it never looked much in doubt that the Rockets would win uh, once it actually got to overtime. But, yeah, we need to talk about real quick. James Harden pulling off the most perfect intentional miss free throw that I've ever <laughs> the second most because Steven Adams had one a few years ago where he like yeah. tipped it to himself out yep. to Russ for a three in OKC. But yep. this is the second most perfect miss free throw I've ever seen because he had it to like bounce around the rim and hang up for a little while so that Robert Covington could swoop in from the opposite side and get yeah. the tip in over Porzingis while P.J. Tucker, like, had Christos Porzingis in the walls of Jericho <laughs> down yeah. low on the box yeah. out. To and they, actually had, um, they actually had talked about it, um, uh, P.J. and Robert Covington. They discussed how they would box out and their plan of attack had if the ball were, were to miss. And, um, yeah, P.J. Tucker was boxing out Porzingis. And then, like you said, Robert Covington came swooping in, but he came through the back door, basically under under the hoop, came from all the way around and had a beautiful tip. And I, to be honest, like I didn't expect any of that to happen. I mean, I was expecting Harden to just kind of maybe make his free throw, maybe miss. 
but that was, you know, I was super hyped after that um, tip in by uh, Robert Cummington and yeah. And James Hart, I mean, that fourth quarter was amazing in, in general, just cause with 41 seconds left, the Houston Rockets were down seven points, I believe. And they came back to tie the game, um, send it to OT and um yeah, and, and from OT, I, I, I kind of had no doubt in my in the back of my head that the Rockets had all the momentum and they would kind of win that game. Especially like after Doncic, he tried uh, take, shooting the shooting a deep, deep three at the buzzer and it was way off, and he was pissed at himself. And he kind of has that like you know kid face, that pouty face when he's not <laughs> when things are not going his way. So he has the Joe um, Kelly face. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we hate Joe Kelly, by the way. Um, he, he definitely had that type of face and it, it didn't, he didn't look very um, comfortable after, at the end of that fourth quarter. He had himself, I want to say it was like a pretty, pretty good game. He had 28 points, uh, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. So it's, but he did have eight turnovers and a lot of it had to do with that man, James Harden, completely locking him up in the fourth quarter in overtime. Um, yeah. Talk about, talk a little bit about that. His uh, James Harden's defense. Yeah, James Harden has both of these games has played really good individual defense. Uh, obviously, he was in foul trouble for the Bucks game, so he wasn't as active in the second half on on defense as far as like trying to avoid fouls. But yeah, um, he you know, obviously we all know James Harden is a great post defender. Every person who cares about the Houston Rockets has known this by now, but he's yeah. improved as far as holding his own. You know, when he gets ISOed. And I think that, you know, if you're going to ISO against the Houston Rockets, you're playing right into their hands. You're letting them off the hook. Because where the Rockets sure. struggle is when, you know, they have to communicate a lot on switches and screens and stuff. But if you're just going to dribble the ball forever at the top of the key, then all the communication is easy. They just got to stay in front of you. So I think, you know, uh, James Harden has really improved and can hold his own in those ISOs now. And, yeah, just doing that just allows the Rockets to rest and recover off the ball pretty much. If you're going to try and attack James Harden, you should try and do it off the ball with, you know, a lot of screens and cuts and communication. Yeah, and with James Harden, you know, he he did drop 49, but we can talk about how he this man was double teamed, sometimes triple teamed, and he still dropped 49. I don't think there's anyone in the NBA that can do that. Anyone – in the history of the NBA, maybe you could say arguably Michael Jordan could do that, but I don't remember seeing Michael Jordan facing doubles um, by like great defenders, not just double teams, but just he's being doubled by their best two best defenders potentially. And he's still giving them that work, that business. And he's just, he's unstoppable, man. Offensively, he's in a different zone. He didn't have like the best game tonight offensively. Obviously I think he forced a lot of threes, but that game against the Mavericks was extremely impressive. Um, I mean, anyone, anytime you can drop 49 points on the opposing team while being double teamed for most of the game. And I saw like a funny tweet where this is not true, obviously, but you know, it might, it might as well could have been true. They said how they, you know, it was a misquote, but saying that Dantich said they had no answer for James Harden and they didn't even want to come back off the bench because James Harden was just cooking them all night. I don't know if you remember, if you saw that, tweet but I mean it's obviously a fake tweet but it might might have been it could have just been real just because it was that's how it felt like Harden was just he was just eating out there and he was pulling whatever he wanted he was getting to the basket 
He got to the free throw line 21 times. And, um, of course, you're going to see NBA Twitter crying about that. But you take away that those 21 points, he still drops 28. So, I mean, what can you really say about that? He's just He's just unguardable offensively. And he was doing it all defensively, too. Like I had mentioned, three steals, three blocks. Um, he was obviously their best player that night, and he couldn't be stopped. Yeah, he dropped 49 points on 14 of 20 from the field. That's just unheard of. You don't you don't see that. Um, for reference, 70%. Russell West Russell Westbrook had 31 points, but he took 30 shots. So yeah. Um, yeah, James Harden was just incredibly efficient, getting whatever he wanted to on offense. He hit a really deep three that Ooh. you know kind of kept the Rockets in it towards the end yeah. in the final like 30 seconds or so. Yeah. Um, it was from yeah. like the out of bounds stripe, right? That's where you're, that's the one you're referring to from like the left left side. Yeah, he just no hesitation got across half court and was like, "I gotta hit a three to get us back into this game." So that's what I'm gonna do, and that's what he yeah. did. That one was big because I believe that had gotten the Rockets to within four, right? And then right. Uh, I want to say uh, we had another big three point shot. Um, I can't remember. I can't recall who it was from, but I mean that cut it to one, and then um, or that cut, we had a. Uh, I think it might have been a layup, and then that cut it to two, and then or that. Yeah, I'm, I can't recall exactly, but it was um, eventually that tip and shot from Robert Covington happened, and that sent us to overtime. But that was a big three for sure. For sure, Harden missed a couple of free throws towards the end that would have got him the fifty bomb, but you know. We we're good with forty nine in the win, um, so yeah. Oh, for sure. One and against the Mavs, one forty nine. Yeah, and against it was against the Mavs who, um, they kind of had our number this this season, and I think Luca had like an amazing game in the last time we met. Um, but I want to talk about a little bit about you know Daniel House and like kind of like his you know his, the coming of Daniel House and especially with the restart, he's. He's been playing phenomenal um, tonight's game against the Bucks, and he played phenomenal, of course, in, in that in that Mavs game. He was seven for thirteen from the field. He was six for twelve from uh, from the three point line, and he had he dropped twenty points. So if we can get that Daniel House, um, you know, on you know a, a game by game basis, he he can contribute a lot to this team because I think that's what kind of what we're missing. You know, you have Harden and Westbrook. They're going to get theirs offensively. But then when you have Eric Gordon, um, when you have Eric Gordon having those off games that he's had the whole season, and then Robert Cummington, he's great. He can catch and shoot, obviously. He plays defense. He plays lockdown defense. But we're not always going to get uh, too much offense from him. He's going to give us like 12, 13 points a night. But then Danny House is that third or fourth guy that if he can contribute, it's very hard for the Rockets to lose, especially when he, he gets so many wide open looks. It's not even funny. Um, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, they, they draw so much attention and Danny house is just spotting up from the corner and he's getting those. Yeah. He had a step back and I think he had a step back last game as well. And he, he's getting those pretty easily. So, um, and his, his defense to add to that, his defense has been great. Um, it's not like superb, but, He's he's trying his best. He's hustling. He's you know he he had two steals that game against the Mavs. He's uh, you know he's getting his hands in the passing lane. So that's something that we need. We need the whole team to be 
uh, locked in defensively. And then um, one last point for me with Ben McLemore, he was four for four from three um, last game. And um, although he was four for four, he was actually pretty, pretty bad defensively. Like you could probably have a long one minute clip of him getting completely lost. And that has been the case all season with Ben McLemore. He, he, he doesn't miss. He's shooting like over 40% from three, but his defense is so questionable and so iffy. Yeah, he actually fouled out of that game because <laughs> you know, oh, he, he was did, struggling yes. so yeah. much on defense. Um, we, find, Mavs, we find him getting a lot of those. Yeah, he, he gets a lot of those lazy fouls. The Mavs actually had three different players foul out in that game and almost had a fourth. So the refs were not shy with the whistle at all. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Ben McLemore, that's just going to come with the territory sometimes. He's not going to be a lockdown defender. But, you know, when the team is struggling to find offense or, you know, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington are making the open threes, Ben McLemore is going to make the open threes. So I think that, sure. you know, you probably can't rely on him to play you know, 15, 20 minutes all the time. But in the playoffs, he'll give you like a strong 10 to 12, I think, and get you some offense when, you know, he's a run stopper, a combo yeah. breaker. Uh, I think, you know, if there were like there were times in this Mavs game where the Mavs would go on, you know, their little runs and things like that. And Ben McLemore would, you know, knock down a three to, you know, kind of stop the bleeding yeah. a little bit. I think that's going to be his role, not necessarily – somebody you can rely on defensively. Yeah, you definitely need those type of players to stop the bleeding. We're we're kind of shy of having players that are just pure catch and shoot. I mean, Daniel House, you could say he's a pure catch and shoot player, but he takes a little while to wind up his jump shot, so it's not as pure. But um, Ben McLemore, he lets that thing fly, and and Jeff Green has looked decent from from the three point line. He can, you know, he's 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 hitting some big shots that we need him to. Hit, and that was kind of the question mark was how was he going to – we knew he, his length was going to be great. He was going to help rebound and play defense, but we didn't really know um, how he would do offensively because he's not, he's not like the greatest shooter, obviously, but, you know, he's been hitting uh, three, his threes these past two games. So um, I liked what I'm seeing from him. And um, he, he did have – he, he was in double figures. And we had – that game, we had seven guys. Obviously, it was the James Harden show with 49 points. But we had seven guys in double figures that game. So, it was, it was like a team effort. And P.J. Tucker, even though he, you know, he only scored seven, he was two for three from three. And he was, like, doing everything out there defensively. And he was guarding um, – he had that tough task of guarding Kristaps um, Porzingis. But yeah, I, I like the the whole effort from the whole, whole entire team, especially in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Yeah, and you know the Rockets almost got screwed by the refs at the end of this game um, because on that the shot that got James Harden on the line, they they called a foul on the floor instead of giving him a three point foul. So he only got two free throws, and I personally was ready to go full Ben Dubose and complain <laughs> Shout harder out, about the rest, the Podfather. Shout out. But, yeah, I, I was so ready to complain about the rest purposely screwing over Harden and how the Harden rule only applies to him. But the Rockets gutted it out because the Rockets, as we'll talk about in the next segment, 
have really executed down the stretch both of these seeding games and have been executing down the stretch defensively all season. Um, so, yeah, we're going to take a break, and then we'll talk about the Rockets' big win over the Bucks tonight. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. All right, so there are a lot of reasons to like AT&T 5G. Check this out. My friend Lisa, who is a professional race car driver and base jump wingsuit enthusiast, likes AT&T 5G because it's fast. My friend Terry, who's a bodyguard who once also wrestled a hyena when he got too close to his client on safari, likes AT&T 5G because it's secure. And my friend Sasha, who's a librarian and hasn't missed a day at work in 27 years, ooh, not even that time she broke both her legs and had the measles, likes AT&T 5G because it's reliable. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's fast, secure, and reliable. And now nationwide. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires a compatible plan. 5G may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for 5G coverage details. And we are back in here at the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. And we're preparing to discuss this amazing game that we just witnessed from the Houston Rockets playing the Milwaukee Bucks. And what a game it was, Dex. Yeah, man. 120-116. Your fourth-seeded Houston Rockets now beating the team with the best record in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I I can't explain to you how happy this win makes me because, <laughs> like, we didn't even play that well, to be honest. Um, we left a lot of points on the floor, um, especially P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker went three for 12 from three. I'm pretty sure literally every three-pointer that P.J. Tucker took was wide open. Um James Harden also went three of twelve from three. Uh, we didn't we didn't shoot well from three. Uh, Twenty one of sixty one tied the NBA record for most three point attempts in a game because Milwaukee's game plan was to just leave us wide open from three, and we didn't make them pay that much, but we made them pay just enough, and we got the win. Yeah, and despite you know PJ Tucker going three for twelve. From three, I thought he made some of the biggest three-pointers in the game. Like, for example, the first half, he hit the first two threes that he took. Um, and I saw him in warm-ups at halftime. He was just shooting those corner threes. It's like, dude, those are the only, shoot, uh, those are the only shots that you need to take. Um, you know, we need you to make those. And he did. He made, he made them definitely in the second half. He was missing everything um, wide right, wide left. Um, he was a little short on some of those threes. But – he did come through. He made some big ones. And, again, Daniel House, he had a great game as well. She, was, she shot four for eight from three, 50% yet again. So he's 50% through these two games right now. I think he's 10 for, 10 for 20. So that's, you know, that's a great sign from Daniel House. We need him to be you know, strong going into um, the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think that was the story of the game for sure is that everybody – contributed at different points in the game because James Harden was kind of forced to facilitate a little bit more. He only ended the game with seven assists, but that doesn't really tell you just how much he was kind of passing and creating. Uh, There's a lot of driving kicks because that was the Bucks' strategy was packing the paint. You know, they have Giannis and, you know, Ilisova played and obviously the Lopez twins both played. Brooks Lopez was giving us everything in oh, the man. paint. 
uh, he went for 23 points and 12 rebounds and was posting up like he was George Mikan or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as far as, you know, James Harden and the Rockets offense, you know, James Harden, like I said, three of 12 from three, he didn't have the shot working, but, you know, he would drive and kick and Rockets will make one extra pass and have a wide open three all night. And, you know, we got 21 of them to go. So, you know, that was enough for us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we I, shoot, I mean, that. the Rockets shoot at such a high volume that they're, I mean, as long as they make, if they make 23s, they're probably going to win the game. The Bucks only had made nine and they're not a bad three point shooting team, I want to say, but you know, if you're, if you're making nine threes, you're not going to be able to, you know, beat the Rockets who, if, if, if the Rockets are making 20. Right. Nine of 35 from the Bucks, 25% from three. Um, which is kind of insane when you consider how hot they started. Um, this was a really back-and-forth game at the start. Uh, the Bucks were up by as much as, like, 13 in the third quarter – in the first quarter, I want to say. And then, you know, by the end of the quarter, the Rockets had made the comeback and were up three. Um, Chris Middleton came out of the gate on fire. I think he made his first seven or – six or seven shots. Um, looked like we weren't going to stop him all night. You know, Giannis was – getting whatever you wanted to in the lane. Um, Brooks Lopez, Brooke Lopez was still getting whatever you wanted to the entire game. But, um, yeah, the Rockets withstood all that. They withstood some questionable calls uh, and some spotty, streaky shooting and were able to get it done. Really, really proud of this team for that win. For sure, yeah. And at the beginning, definitely, the you know, you could see that they were being favorited. Um, for sure in the first half uh, and then going through the third quarter, the Milwaukee Bucks were definitely favorited with those, with some of those 50, 50 calls with the charge and, you know, and the blocking calls um, definitely, you know, Giannis is the NBA's poster child. So they're going to do whatever it takes um, <laughs> to help him out. I mean, he, he only had three fouls, but it felt like he should have fouled out the way he was playing and bulldozing into every one of our players. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's basketball. What, what do you think Dex? Is that basketball to you? It looked like Giannis was just running the halfback dive. That was the joke all over <laughs> Rockets Twitter tonight. It was just pictures of like Madden plays for running backs. But yeah, I think Giannis is an incredible player. Obviously, we make our jokes. We're haters. Yeah, we have a short sure. agenda. Um, but you know, he's hard to defend, especially because you know once he gets a full head of steam going to the lane, it's really hard to just throw your body in there and hope for a charge call because. You know, you're going to give up an and one a lot of times. Uh, Giannis went for 36 points. He had 18 rebounds and eight assists. Only one block, which is, I feel like, really low for him. Um, but, yeah, he had, a, he had a great game. Just wasn't great enough. He actually threw the ball away late when the Bucks had a chance to win it in the clutch. Um, James Harden kind of forced him into a bad pass, and Daniel House picked him off. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Rockets did about as good a job as you can do, um, uh, given their size against Giannis and Brooke Lopez, but you know, I, it's going to be tough if we meet them in the finals, which, you know, I'm feeling like we might right now after these first two wins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if we meet them in the finals, it's going to be tough to keep them down four times out of seven. It will be tough, but I think the Rockets – I was kind of scared of the matchup because that first game we played um, the opener, the, um, the season opener, when we played against the Bucks, 
um, I, I felt like that game we came out, we obviously lost, but we were still okay. But it just felt like we weren't, we didn't have that team or we weren't, you know, we didn't have enough to, you know, beat them. But for some reason now, I mean, if, if we can get like a good Eric Gordon back, um, it's kind of hard for us to lose to them. It's, I mean, I mean, it's obviously going to be difficult, but still, I feel like this team, we can match up with anybody. Um, but to me, they're not, they're obviously going to be tough, you know, in a seven game series. It could, for me, it can go either way with the Rockets and Bucks. Um, as I mean, if the Rockets are gelling, you know, who knows what can happen, but, but I just, I just liked how we, you know, we came back. It's, these are, it's two games now where we've come back from, um, double digits at least. And then with, with the Mavs, like I had mentioned earlier, it was 41 seconds left in the game and um, we were down seven. We came back and then, I, and then in the fourth quarter, we were down um, by about eight points. And, you know, we went on that nine Oh run, which was huge. It was, it was big for us. And then Giannis had to lay up to take the lead. And then um, from there on, um, we know the deal rockets, you know, they got their stuff done. They locked up on defense um, but then one quick point I want to make is um, with um, with Ben McElmore, you know, he shot, he shot, you know, amazing. He was three for seven, which is 42, three for seven from the, from three, which was 42.9%. But what's funny is he, out of, you know, the whole entire Rockets team, he had the best defensive rating. It was 97.8, which typically you see that he's on the opposite end where he has the worst defensive rating on the team. But I saw him, you know, go out there. He he had a couple of strips, I believe, um, and then he, you know, he played phenomenal defense. Yeah, two steals for Ben McLemore, um, a plus fourteen on the game, tied for the team high. So yeah, Ben McLemore um, definitely contributed a lot this game, uh, even more than he did in the Mavs game when he was four for four from three. Because uh, there were stretches like we were mentioning where the Rockets just could not buy a bucket. And Ben McLemore, once again, there to just put up a three and watch it go in when we needed it. Because, uh, like we mentioned, P.J. Tucker didn't shoot well in this game. James Harden didn't shoot well in this game. Jeff Green didn't shoot particularly well in this game. But Ben McLemore was there to get knocked down those open threes that the Bucks were leaving him. Um, you mentioned that the Rockets hunkered down in that fourth quarter. And Tim yeah. McMahon from ESPN – uh, tweeted out a stat a little a little bit ago. Houston ranks third in clutch defensive rating this season. Their defensive rating in the clutch is 97.7 per 100 possessions. So it's not just something you or, or Rockets fans are just imagining. They're, yeah. The Rockets are definitely locking down in the clutch and have been all season. Um, and, you know, if we can continue that in the playoffs, obviously we're going to be a tough out. Um Back in 2018, when we originally started the the Tuck Wagon lineup, using yeah. that as our kind of closing lineup, you know, that was its biggest strength was being able to defend every position extremely well. Switch everything. Switch everything. And then on offense, obviously, it's really hard to defend and, you know, a spread out floor like we have. Uh, so, you know, if we – it's going to be hard – just being honest for the Rockets to kind of extend that defense for four quarters, um, mm-hmm. just with the way they play and how few people play. But if they can continue to lock down the final five minutes like they have been the past two games for the rest of these evening games, the Rockets are going to move up in the standings, obviously, and 
then be extremely tough out in the playoffs. Yeah, and I feel like they're damn near like impossible to stop whenever they tighten up, whenever they play with a sense of urgency. It feels like quarters, maybe first quarter, they play with some urgency and then they get very lax second quarter. And then coming out of the halftime, for some reason, this always happens with the Rockets. Like we get pretty lax as well and we'll go by, we'll go down by like 10, 15 points. But then the fourth quarter, you know, just like Harden, he tightens up in the fourth quarter always. He's always locked down. He's You're not going to see him lost in the fourth quarter. He knows what he needs to do. Um, it's like James Harden when he said, you know, at the end of last season, I know what I, know what I need to do or I know what you need to do. So it's pretty funny. But it's it's kind of like the Rockets, they, they, they know what they need to do defensively to get the stops, um, to get the buckets, trade, trade shots. It just doesn't seem like they play with that sense of urgency for four full, full quarters. Six steals for the Rockets in this game. Um, the Bucks actually had 22 turnovers. And the Rockets only had nine. Um, so the Rockets definitely protected the ball and were able to take it away from the Bucks. And, you know, you're, you're going to win games if you have that kind of turnover differential. Mm-hmm. And obviously with the three-point differential, it's going to be extremely rare that you're going to lose a game when, you know, you're, you know, forcing 22 takeaways, only giving the ball over, giving the ball away nine times, and yeah. you're making more than twice as many threes as the other team. It's going to be extremely rare for you to lose a game like that. So uh, the Rockets keep that up, obviously. I mean, who can beat them? Yeah. I, I don't know who. I don't know either. And it, it definitely looked like the Bucks. They of course, they went cold, and that's partly due to the Rockets' defense, but – I've, you know, I've talked about this, you know, on Twitter or, you know, outside of Twitter multiple times that the Bucks at the end of the day, they don't have that go-to guy that's just going to get it done, you know, like the Rockets have or like the Lakers have or like the Clippers have. I mean, Giannis, you know, his inability to shoot the three ball, he's not, he's not shooting poorly, but it's like we're getting, he's getting complete open three-point shots, three-point looks. So, of course, he's going to shoot like 30%. Um, but he's not – to me, he just – you can't – at the end of the game, you're not going to be able to barrel your way through. And that just looked like for me with the Bucks is they can't they can't figure it out at the end of games. I mean, it looked like they couldn't figure it out in the playoffs when uh, – I believe when they played Toronto. They just didn't have that guy. And Chris Middleton, I respect the hell out of him. He's like – he's he's a bucket. He's a walking bucket. Um, but he's not – He to me, they go to – I see a lot of times they go to him at the end of the games and – I mean, he's going to give you 20, 25 points, of course, but to me, he's not that go-to guy. He's not, to me, he's not that clutch type player. Yeah, when the chips are down and you need a three-pointer to go in, I, for one, am never going to be like, well, they got Chris Middleton, so there's nothing <laughs> we can do. You know, there's some guys it's like, okay, well, Lakers are down two. They need a three. They've got LeBron, okay. Yeah. Clippers got Kawhi and Paul George. Uh yeah. Just down the list of NBA teams, you know, the Blazers have Dame Lillard. Um, The Rockets have James Harden, obviously. But, you know, with the Bucs. They're like a better Nuggets team, honestly, because Nuggets don't have that guy either. Right. Yeah. And that – we'll see if that comes back to bite them um, in the playoffs. Obviously, they're such a good team. They're such a balanced team that it might not. But I think that, you know, in the playoffs, obviously – um, you know, things are a little bit different 
you need guys to be able to create their own shot and be able to create their own threes specifically. And the Bucks don't really have that guy. I know a lot of people in NBA circles think Chris Middleton has become that guy, but I just haven't seen enough yet to make that declaration. Um, I haven't. And I mean, I have them going to the finals just because I don't see any other teams that can beat them per se, but Toronto, man, they look so good. I don't know if you were able to catch that game against the Lakers last night, but they shot the Lakers down. Kyle Lowry was a beast. I think he dropped 30 and they, they, they showed you why they're a championship team. They didn't, you know, they don't need, they apparently, and I checked the, the standings um, from, and I saw a lot of tweets as well. They have, they have one more win through however many games they've played um, compared to last season. So they're basically, they're essentially, they're better. Um, but I, at this point, I still have the Bucks, you know, get, going to the finals. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very tough uh, to say that the Toronto Raptors can't, you know, go all the way to the finals there. You got to respect the hell out of them too. For sure. Um, looking at the box score for the Bucks, they really don't have as balanced a team as you might think. They got three guys that went for – 23, 27, and 36, and Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Then nobody else hit double figures. You had a couple of people who put up no points. Um, they went 12 deep in this game. Only person on their roster who didn't play was Giannis's brother, um, who I think might be injured, still banged up. But, yeah, they but went 12 get, deep. He, but, yeah, he doesn't get too many minutes anyways. He's not a big they, contributing factor. They went 12 deep, but – that 12 really isn't all that deep. Uh, yeah. The Rockets only played eight. When Eric Gordon comes back, it'll probably go to nine. I don't think that anybody will fall out of the rotation when Eric Gordon comes back. But, yeah, um, the Rockets got big, contribu- big contributions from everybody. Um, the three bench players were the highest plus minus on the team. Uh, Jeff Green had a plus 13. McLemore and Austin Rivers both had plus 14s, even though they didn't score a whole lot of points. Um, so, yeah, I think even though the Rockets rotation isn't that deep, you're still getting quality, at least for these first two games, out of the out of the bench players. And we'll see if that keeps up over the season games and into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm liking a lot what I'm seeing from the bench. And um, still not, I'm not still not happy with having an eight-man rotation because in the playoffs, players are going to get extremely tired, especially you're going to – Harden is going to become a workhorse of course, like he always is in an eight-man rotation. I still don't think gets it done quite uh, quite completely. Hopefully when Eric Gordon comes back, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't suck. He's not, he's, you know, he's in his shooting form. He's in a rhythm. It's going to be tough, though, coming off a bad, pretty bad ankle injury. Uh, they said he would be like a couple of days off to two weeks out. So we'll see how that goes. But I also, I just, you know, everybody stepped up this game uh, when we when we needed it most. The whole entire starting uh, starting five scored in double figures, so that was great. We always love to see that. We, I mean, Harden was he had twenty four points. So when's the last time you know the Rockets were able to get a dub when you know Westbrook was a leading scorer and Harden was not? So it's I'm liking what I'm seeing, and Westbrook was definitely he was he was pretty efficient, uh, shooting near fifty percent from the floor today. Right, and 10 of 12 at the line, which is something we talked about the first time we were on a podcast together, yeah. is that, you know, Russ had been 
he had improved as a free throw shooter this season. Uh, I think they said he was at 77% on the year coming yeah. into tonight. But, you know, he was never shooting – or very rarely shooting 10 or 12 at the line yeah. in the past. Um, Harden went 11 or 13, and nobody else missed any free throws. We were 27 or 31 as a team yeah. from the free throw line. So if we can keep shooting free throws like that um, – we mentioned the takeaways earlier. We mentioned the three-point shooting earlier. But if mm-hmm. we can keep shooting that well at the line, then that, that's how you win games, by forcing yeah. turnovers, hitting your free throws, hitting your open shots. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's safe to say that's a trend for the Rockets in the bubble because we noticed it in the um, the scrimmages and it's continued in the first two games that matter. So I think – I don't know if – Maybe the Rockets have a little bit of stage fright normally or what, but right now with no fans in the stands in the bubble, they are killing it at the line. Yeah, and I saw something like it's because uh, NBA players, they see these these arenas are much smaller, obviously. It's, it's like a practice facility almost, and there's no crowd, so it's much smaller. So the the court feels a lot smaller to the players. So I read, I read somewhere on Twitter or whatever that – or in an article that because – these, you know, extremely efficient, extremely amazing shooters see the court as much smaller. You know, everything gets tighter for them, and it, it looks easier to get these threes off. Like, I mean, obviously Harden didn't have a great three-point shooting night, but the other night he just looked like he could pull so easily, and it was it was effortless. And then Ben McLemore is still shooting amazing, and Daniel House is still hot. So um, it's interesting to see, with, you know, like you said, without having fans there, but the commentators did mention, though, that the Rockets fans were amazing tonight, which how often do we ever hear that, Dex, that the Rockets fans were, you know, completely amazing, drowning out uh, the sound? Extremely rare for us to get that kind of love on national television. But, yeah, the virtual fans, it's cool. Uh, I When I first heard about it, I thought it would be weird and kind of dumb. But, you know, watching it on TV, it's, it's just kind of cool to look at. Uh, seems exciting for the people that actually get to be on it. I don't know how you actually get to be a virtual fan, but you know, if anybody knows, tweet at me at Dex and let me know how I can be a virtual <laughs> fan. Um, but yeah, they were, you know, in their seats, they were engaged. Uh, every time they got showed on the screen, they were like clapping and cheering and whatnot. Um, in the national anthem audio, this game, they had, I guess, a recording of an old Rockets game. So, yeah. When Rockets' red glare came on the national yeah. anthem, you heard all the woos yeah. and the cheers yeah. like we normally have in Toyota Center. So, yeah, it was cool. How are you feeling about kind of the bubble setup and the virtual fans? Oh, actually, I so for some reason the scrimmage I felt like it was pretty. It felt like a summer league game, definitely in the scrimmages. But these regular season games have been nothing short of amazing, and you can't even tell really that there's no physical presence from the fans. Um, I, I mean, on TV, at least to me, I don't know about you, Dex, but to me, I don't, I don't just watching the game. It doesn't feel like, um, the teams are short of having their fans there. So there's a lot of sound. They they did pretty good with all the background noise. So, um, uh, I liked it a lot. For sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, that's about it for the Rockets versus the Bucks. Like we mentioned earlier, Rockets are now in the four seed because um, yep. we have the tiebreaker over the Utah Jazz. We're now tied on record, but we had to, we beat them more times head-to-head this season. 
Uh, we're one game behind Denver for that three seed, and we're a half game ahead of OKC for the six seed. So obviously a very fluid situation out in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually everybody's going to start kind of looking for matchups instead of looking for seeds because obviously there's no home court advantage. It's the same thing for every team with no fans. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, who are you wanting to play in the first round of the playoffs if you could choose just one team? So, if I mean, if I, were, I, I think I had mentioned on the last pod uh, with you that I wanted – I wanted the Jazz just because we have their number, and then I'm, I'm not, I don't I'm not afraid of the Thunder, but definitely I want the Jazz, and I think they've um, they've lost a couple now, or they lost their last this last game. Um, so I I'm they not, got stomped not, in I'm, this last game. They they did get stomped, and I'm not I'm not afraid of them at all, um, to be honest. So I would really like that fourth or fifth seed, and I would love to play them. Uh, we're only a game behind Denver, so it's extremely possible that we can get bumped up to that third seed. But I'm not really in fit. I mean, obviously, I mean, some some might say that it's better to get the highest seed possible. But with that third seed, you would eventually have to play the Clippers second round. And I'm not sure the Rockets are quite there yet or if we even want to play them in the second round. Maybe they're they're better for a Western Conference Finals matchup. But yeah, who do you what do you think about the stat current standings right now, Dex? I think, you know, this would be the perfect kind of standings to shake out this way. Uh, Lakers at one, Clippers at two, Nuggets at three, Rockets at four, Jazz five, Thunder six, Mavs seven, and the Grizzlies eight. Mm-hmm. I think obviously I also want to play the Utah Jazz. Like you said, we we have their number. They've never looked particularly good against us. Uh, yeah. I don't see that series going more than five games at the most. Uh, there's really nothing to fear in that matchup, I don't think. Uh, Oklahoma City, I think, is a fine matchup for us, but I just don't want to play Chris Paul in the first round. <laughs> it's it's too soon. I miss him it too is. much. If he lost, I'd be too sad. Too much to lose for us to – for me to be comfortable playing him in the first round. But, um, yeah, I think right now the standings are good for us. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, with who would you rather play in the second round, the Clippers or the Lakers? I mean, both are tough matchups, but, you know, I think. But if you were if you were to go with one of those teams in the second round, who would you want to – I mean, for me it would be the Lakers. What do you, Who would you want to uh, play in that second round? Uh, I would say the Clippers. The Clippers, they did, they did just, they did just demolish um, uh, the Pelicans. The Pelicans, and it, it was a completely one-sided game, and they look kind of scary. But I'll say the reason to be afraid of the Clippers, I'm actually not afraid of them because, like, everybody is worried about their perimeter defense. They have Kawhi and Paul mm-hmm. George and Pat Bev, and you know everybody thinks they can lock down on defense, but we just haven't seen that when we've played them in all of James Harden's career, he's never been locked down by Kawhi or Paul George, really. So I don't see that being a problem in the playoffs either. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge to when we get to it. Um, That's the thing to watch. Obviously, like we said, an extremely fluid situation with the standings in the West. You might see teams start, you know, trying to tank for matchups or something like that as we get, you know, closer to the end of the seeding games. Uh, most teams have played two, so there's six left. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see where, where that goes. We'll keep an eye on that. 
Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.